Welcome to the Men of Character Podcast with your host, Bill Maser. Welcome everybody to the Men of Character Podcast. Today I've got two, um, two of my favorite Twitter follows here, Paul Dominic and Matt Stevens. Um, we're going to have a conversation that I think is an important one around anxiety, <coughs> dealing with anxiety and depression. So we, uh, Paul and Matt and I have had some conversations in, on Twitter in, in our messages, and I just felt like it'd be super valuable for people to hear how two people who are obviously, you know, currently motivated and doing big things, how they got to that state from being in a depressive or anxious state. So Paul, do you want to introduce yourself first and then we'll get into Matt's introduction as well? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen me maybe on Twitter, Instagram. You guys have been following me for a little bit now. Uh, started my Twitter account maybe around, you know, say last, last June. Have a lot of success with it. Currently still a college student, um, but the graduating in a few semesters. Um, yeah, and I'm here to talk about, you know, anxiety and anything like that and whatever we'll cover. Yeah, going forward. All right. Matt, you want to introduce yourself as well? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you probably – familiar with me uh my twitter account's probably probably the biggest social media account that i have currently um but i'm a personal trainer and online uh, diet and fitness coach um been doing it for a few years now uh probably started back in about 2015 uh 2014 um and yeah i've just experienced a lot of success with it but uh like i mentioned there was or like bill mentioned a lot of uh um I guess, bumps in the road since then. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. All right. Perfect. Thank you, gentlemen. So, Paul, you want to – why don't you tell us a little bit about your your experience? You did a talk for, for my conference, and you sort of shared yeah. a lot of your story there. So I'm, I feel like I'm more familiar probably than most people. Um, yeah. Tell us where, where you were at a couple of years ago, Yeah. where your mindset was at, and how you started to, to get out of that. Yeah. Now from a very young age, I, I didn't really experience, experience like any anxiety or things like that. I always experienced things like, you know, like self image issues and insecurity and lack of confidence and things along that the lines of that. Uh, but the whole, I guess you could say anxiety thing really didn't uh, kick in until around high school around my junior or senior high school. I started to notice things when I was at parties. I wouldn't say it was a social anxiety. It was more of like a generalized anxiety disorder, I guess you could say. Uh, getting very anxious. I actually hyperventilated one night uh, to the point of like passing out and things like that. Um, now, I believe a lot of my anxious feelings, my anxiety was stemmed from, you know, moving from house to house, uh, apartment to apartment, not really being able to hold down a job, failing in school, things like that. Um, being extremely overweight for, I guess, my age, wasn't very active, um, smoking cigarettes, terrible diet, all these things played into it. Um, you know, single parent household that whole ordeal. Now I'm not trying to make myself out to sound like some sort of victim here. Uh, I don't take this the wrong way, but there was a, you know, a collective of factors here playing into, I feel like would cause this anxiety. Um, and the weird part was it, it went away for a little bit. Like after graduating from high school, it went away for a little bit and I moved away to Miami to go to college. And all I did really down there was party. Um, complete waste of time to be honest with you. Um, but when I came back from that, uh, I started losing weight and working out a little bit and I got into a relationship 
And this relationship lasted for, I guess you could say three years. When this relationship came to an end, now the person I was seeing at the time was dealing with a lot of issues. I'm not here to trash talk that person, nothing like that. But the person was dealing with a lot of issues. And I was dealing with issues myself, but wasn't completely aware of it or what they were. Like I said, a lot of it was self-image, like, you know, negative beliefs, complete toxic mindset and things like that. Um, and I was dealing with a, a slight form of anxiety, but like I said, I didn't know what it was. I felt it just didn't really know what it was. I know I've passed out before from hyperventilation and, you know, constant like shallow breathing and things like that. And it all played into it. But when this negative relationship really came to an end, everything really spiraled out of control for me. And this is about six years ago, things spiraled out of control. I was taking courses in downtown Philadelphia. I actually had to drop all my courses one semester because uh, I would have panic attacks in the classroom for no reason. And that's the scary part about anxiety is that you can, you know, stimulate your flight or flight response for no reason. Or because you, you're holding some belief about the event that it doesn't make sense or it's just completely irrational or illogical to think that way. And that's where the beliefs come into it. But I was dealing with this, this anxiety dropped on my classes. Um, you know, like I said, moving from house to house, leaving friend groups, kind of isolating myself. And I was almost moving towards, towards the agoraphobia type of deal where I was like not leaving my house because I was afraid I was going to have panic attacks in certain social set, like settings and I uh, wouldn't go out to clubs. I wouldn't go out to like, you know, say stadiums where I was almost vulnerable because I was, I was, I was afraid of, of experiencing this panic in front of people. And, and I was afraid of being judged by these people, uh, people thinking like, and, and this is like part of the problem with anxiety is that like you have these two fears that come in. The first fear is like the trigger event, like, oh my God, I'm, you know, it's a social anxiety. I'm in like the stadium and, you know, it's dangerous here. Or I'm thinking it's dangerous at least. And then the second fear comes in and it says, what if it happens again? What if I experience this panic again? So these two fears completely oversensitize you to the point where it takes you into this full-blown uh, anxiety attack or um, panic attack. And this, this, all these, these thoughts about these what-if situations led me to, to isolate myself and, and keep me from going out and enjoying life. I would avoid family gatherings, social events, anything to the point because I would make excuses for it too. I would say, oh yeah, I, I really don't want to go. Like, you know, it's no big deal. It's probably boring anyway. But meanwhile, I was really scared of this what if situation, this event I was creating in my head, I'm going to faint or I'm going to have a panic attack or it's going to be bad or people are going to judge me and things like that. Um, to the point where I just stopped doing, I just stopped enjoying life. But I started to change a little bit. I, I started working out a lot. I started doing a lot of reading this is around the time when I introduced, I was introduced to stoicism. How long ago was when, like, when did you start to come to like fix a lot of the, or deal with this? Um, about three, three and a half years ago. All right. So it's fairly recent. Was it some um, event or like, what did it, did you just hit like a breaking point and you were like, you know what, I have to do something about yeah. this? Or? Well, think about it like this. I, I, I wanted to graduate from school and I'm um, getting very close to that point, but you have to give presentations in class. You have to give presentations and getting up in front of class. The what if fear was like, Oh man, what if you like faint in front of everybody? Then what? And completely irrational, completely illogical makes no sense. Why would I faint in front of anyone? But it's, that's the whole point of the, the anxiety is just like, it, it, it doesn't make sense in this point. But if you don't challenge it, if you don't step in and challenge it, these thoughts are going to run wild and you'll stay stuck on this negative, this little yeah. negative loop. You know what I, so, what I find interesting because I've never 
I've never had a panic attack. Okay. Like I've had, you know, some level of it. I feel every, almost everybody today has some level of, they've dealt with some level of anxiety. But I have seen like on Twitter where people are like, that if you, it's like almost, they want to avoid being put in anxious states. It's like what you mentioned. Yeah. Like they, they think that the person who, it, who suffers from this thinks that the way to solve it is to not be put in situations where they can trigger anxiety. What yeah. What mean is that that just continues to mount. Yeah. It's like you're setting up, you're piling up this <laughs> bubble that's just going to yes. burst you. And I always tell people to imagine like this, and this, this is the problem with it. When you, and this is for a lot of different areas in life, and this is, this is a common theme, is if you avoid these anxiety-provoking situations, it's like looking in a corner of your room. You see the wall. Now, if you have personal anxiety, you see, you see in your head you're seeing this little monster. If you avoid walking over that corner of the room because you're seeing in your head you're seeing this little monster, that little monster is going to grow into a bigger monster and grow into a bigger monster. And so instead of walking over to, over to that corner and investigating and say, okay, what's going on over here? But when you constantly avoid these anxiety-provoking situations, you're creating a real threat because you're reaffirming to your brain, this is dangerous. I, I can't go here because this is dangerous. And you keep reaffirming that, reaffirming it, and now you're creating a new habit, a new way of thinking, a new belief. And this belief is going to dictate what actions you take. So, and that was the thing. It, it's, it really came down to challenging my beliefs. So I would force myself to go to these, these places where and I learned a lot about this through like stoicism and cognitive behavioral therapy and, uh, you know, other various um, resources. But before you hop into the, like how you solve it, why don't yeah. we let maybe Matt tell his, so we'll, we'll almost do like yeah, yeah. Where, where, where you guys were at initially. For sure. And talk more solution. Go for oh, well, I was, what I was going to say was, uh, you know, Paul, that just, that resonates so much with me because that's exactly what happened to me. Um, when, when I was in, you know, my kind of anxious and depressive state, you know, I would avoid going to class, man, because yeah. I, I thought everyone was turning around looking at me. I thought everyone, I'd, I'd be sitting in class thinking that everyone was looking at me and I had never been like this before. Yeah. And it got to the point where I just, I didn't want to go, man. It was scary, you know? And so it, it did grow. It grew into this massive problem. I eventually failed out of school because of this. Yeah. Um, I didn't call it and I didn't go online and drop out simply. It was like, Oh no, avoid this completely, you know? And, and it just spiraled out of control. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what got me into my situation. Um, and you know, luckily I was able to get back into school, but man, uh, I think the biggest part of it for me was, you know, because growing up going through high school and whatnot, I was never, I'd never really had anxious problems. I never really had anxiety. Never, I may, maybe had my little depressive states and whatnot, but you know, never with anxiety. So uh, when I got to college, I was playing in a band. I mean, I was the front man. I could get up in front of people and sing. I had no problem. You know, that was a lot of fun. I led the parties and whatnot, but I think my problem, and, and this is probably a, another topic in itself is, you know, like ADD, ADHD medication, like Adderall and, 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 and Vyvanse and whatnot. And that's what I was prescribed to. And I really think that it changed me as a person because I would take this stuff. And, and of course, you know, being in the party scene and whatnot, like I was, I'm introduced to alcohol and, 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 and weed and, and, and things like that. And, and playing in a band and whatnot, just, you know, it was, it was like, that was the cool thing, you know, but uh, it kind of pulled in and, and uh, played a part of it as well. 
And I think that all kind of just, uh, it, it was just all came in together to really add on to my situation uh, because I think alcohol is supposed to give you anxiety the day after. Um, and then, you know, you, you'd smoke to kind of like settle things, but I would smoke and I'd get even more anxious. And so, but it was something that I just didn't stop doing. It was like, why would you, you know, it, it just didn't add up. But, uh, but no, it, 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 it spiraled out of control to me uh, to a point where, man, I'd have friends that they would come over to my house. They would invite me, Hey man, we're going to the river. We're going to float down the river this weekend. And, you know, I, I'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah. I just kind of play it off. have really no intention of going. Uh, but then my buddy showed up to my house and he was like, man, I've been trying to call you. Like we're going. He was like, get your stuff. I was like, no, you know, I'm not going. And I just wanted to avoid situations, man. I wanted to avoid people and stay inside and stay to myself. It was really bad. Um, you know, not only did I you know, let it, uh, make me fail out of school, but you know, I let it kind of ruin some, some friendships for me, for myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not something easy to deal with, but it's also funny that you mentioned Paul, uh, your relationship. I think one of the, the biggest things that happened to me in life were two serious relationships that I was in because I made my biggest gains after I got out of those relationships. I learned the most about myself during those relationships. And I realized, Hey, I have a problem here. And it, honestly, I feel like, you know, it takes a girl, it takes a woman in your life to, to, to let you know, like give you that reality check of be like, dude, you're not, you're not cool. <laughs> you yeah. know? And so, uh, um, that's kind of what woke me up a little bit. Um, you know, it was, it had gotten to the point where I was hardly even playing music. Like I, I, I got out of shape. I got fat and out of shape. Um, and I never was, I played football through high school and lifted and ate healthy and everything like that was in great shape. Um, you know, being up on stage, being confident and whatnot. But as I started drinking and then eating and smoking and doing all this stuff, I got, you can imagine, you can imagine really out of shape and you can't be the front man and be like on stage looking like that, you know? Um, so it took a really big hit to my confidence. And, um, you know, after that relationship, I kind of, like I said, I walked into the, that, that, the bathroom that, that afternoon and, and looked in the mirror. And at this point, you know, I was, I was broke. I wasn't playing music. I, I was a bartender kind of partly at the time, which is bad because I drink behind the bar. Um, and, and it was everything in an attempt to avoid that pain of, it was, it was just trying to escape myself. And, finally walking to that bathroom that afternoon I was sober didn't have any weed didn't have any alcohol or anything like that just completely dead sober I was like man you've got to do something about this you know uh it and it was I was so dead serious like in my heart I just looked at myself and I was like why are you doing this and you know I, I took like a, I'm sure y'all seen the before after picture but I took a picture that day and you know made a promise to myself like dude this is the last day that you're gonna do this shit to yourself and uh, immediately started getting to work. Um, but uh, so I guess I'm, I'm going to leave it from that day, that picture that you have here before and after. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that, is, that is from the day I, I, nice. I took that. Yeah. I took that picture. Uh, like I said, as a promise to myself, because I didn't show anybody that picture for well over a year. It, it was just something just for me. Um, and it kind of turned into, Hell, I had no idea it was going to turn into the story that it's turned into, you know, it, it just, that's what I wanted to do at the time. I was like, I, I want to remember what I'm looking like. I want to remember how I felt this day. And I remember, you know, how many years ago was that? How long ago was that? This was at the beginning of 2014. Oh, wow. So it's not too long ago. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at that point, uh, 
you know, I really, I, I got my act together, man. I started getting, the first thing I knew that I needed to do was I needed to get back into the gym. I had lifted weights all throughout high school and even a little bit after high school. And uh, I had let my body go. It was the worst shape I'd ever been in my life. And I was like, this is number one. Um, and I think from that point, that's what really kind of helped me get the snowball going, helped me get the ball going up the hill. Um, because it's, you know, I'm sure y'all heard as, as where the body goes, the mind follows. Uh, and, it's, and it's vice versa as well. But, man, I had it. And I started hitting the gym, forcing myself to go. And I'm telling y'all, like I'd walk into the gym. I went into a powerlifting gym because it was like he was giving uh, college students a, a three-month deal, 99 bucks for three months. And I was like, man, I, I could scrounge up 99 bucks, you know? <laughs> and I, I went in there, and they're in there like benching 500 pounds, screaming. And I'm like walking in there like this fat and out of shape dude, like, oh, yeah. God, you know? And But, dude, I – as, as, as bad as it felt, man, I made myself go. I was like, I just kept to myself. I put my headphones on and just went and, and dude, it pulled me out of the hole I was in, man. How did you, you say you made yourself go, right? Because I feel like a lot of people wouldn't, that don't have the habit of going to the gym. Like, how do you make yourself go to the gym? <laughs> I, mean, you- I mean, get your ass in the car, drive to the gym. And- the first step, yeah. It, it was literally, it was just, yeah, like, I, I remember, I'll, I'll, ref, I'll reference this back to what I was mentioning before. You want to do anything you can to get away from that pain. Well, everything that I was doing to, to help numb the pain or whatever wasn't working anymore. It, it, it actually was making, I realized it was making things worse. And I was like, all right, if I want to get rid of this pain, and, and the pain that I had that day was looking at myself in the mirror and being like, I, it was painful that I had done this to myself, you know? And I was like, all right, I'm going to pull myself out of it. And I know the first thing that I want to do is I want to, I want to make my, my body right. And I was like, okay, well, if I don't go to the gym, I'm going to continue looking like this. And I was like, I don't want that. And so that was the driving force. I believe that was behind me going there. And it was like, no, I'm tired. I'm not, I, I'd get to the gym and it was like, you know, walking in, it was like, I'm not going back out there. You know, I'm not going back out there into the world with the same body. You know, it was like, I'm getting in here and I'm going to get this work done and get out of this situation. So, Paul, why, why don't you touch on, like, what the first steps that you took? Sounds like Matt was used the gym as, like, a way to, to get himself out of it. How, how did you approach the anxiety and, and, and trying to resolve all that? Well, the first step was as if you're, like, uh, accepting it. You realize it's with bat- like battling an addiction or anything like that. You re- the first step is realizing you have a problem. You realize there's something wrong here that has to be taken care of, has to be dealt with. You have to find a solution to it. It's the same deal. Um, so I always like to say, you're not faster now than anxiety. So don't try to outrun it. Don't try to run away. You're don't try to resist it. You're it's it's going to follow you. It's going to chase you, and you're you're going to continue to feel it. Uh, so the first step I really took was accepting it, accepting that there is something going on not trying. And the part of that is that there's a, a stigma with, with men's health. There's a, there's a stigma that says, Oh, you, you can't feel anxious. You're, you're, um, you're a cuck or something like that. Or you can't feel, de- you can't feel depressed. You can't feel anxious. Something's that's not manly enough or you're soy or something like that. It's like, no, it's like that. that that's the, that's, that's, you can't do that. Like people are just going to repress these things. They're going to bottle them up. They're going to repress them. 
And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to build into a bigger problem. And it's going to affect not only their life, but the people in their lives, like their family and friends, because they're going to take these emotions out uh, on the people around them. And that creates a ripple effect. Um, so you have to be able to accept it and, you know, and, and tell yourself that it's okay that you're going through that. It, it, it's okay. But with the action plan to do something about it. And part two, part two of this is that the action plan is facing it. It's facing it. Uh, you don't act like it doesn't exist. You have to go and people might disagree and say, Oh no, you know, don't go to the anxiety provoking situations. You know, you can't do that. And listen, mm -hmm. you know, you, you ha there has to be a degree of exposure therapy. You have to, if you, if you're going to do it, maybe expose yourself in small doses to it. Maybe a picture of you giving a presentation or a picture of a presentation or a picture of an elevator or a picture of, you know, a clown, whatever it is, whatever, you know, provokes your anxiety or stimulates your anxiety. Start exposing yourself in small doses and then take the next steps. But I, I, I kind of skipped the, the microdose. I kind of just forced like, dude, I would put myself, I'd be pumping myself up outside the classroom before I had to give a presentation. Like I was like shaking, dude, shaking with complete anxiety. I'm like, you know what? F it. If I'm going to pass out, if I'm going to faint, I'm going to do it in front of the classroom because at least I got, I got up there. At least I got up there and did it. So I would force myself. Well, you, and if the, go ahead. No, I wanted to touch on that because you made me think like, I think one thing that you make me think is people don't, they don't realize how much they sort of, I feel like a lot, almost everyone operates like on this inertia, right? Like the way that you acted, they don't realize the, the amount of power they have and the, their emotional control of doing something. Like what you said about, you went into a presentation, you hyped yourself up. Yeah. Like I, so I remember in, so I never, I don't think I had anxiety or depression. Well, I can't say that. I had, I had a point where about six years ago, I was pretty much unemployed. I was working like a commission job, but I was unemployed. Had a, my daughter had just been born. And I sat in the car and I was like, I'm worthless. Like I had this first time in my life where I was like, I'm like not worth anything. Yeah. And, and so I made it, I, I made a choice sort of like, and I, I want to talk about this too, hitting that rock bottom where you sort of just make a choice. You almost have to feel, you have to hit that rock bottom so you make a choice and you know, and now you have the experience of what the crappy situation was yeah. as expected. But yeah, I, did, I, I remember that the first job that I got, right? that now I needed that job, right? Like I was a hundred percent like, all right, I got this job. I can't lose this. I would do exactly what you, what you did. I would go in the bathroom and like yeah. pump myself up. Like there'd be a meeting coming up. And I'm like, I need to, uh, and I feel like that, like it, it touches on the point that you said, you can't solve these problems by not facing them. It doesn't yeah. sound, <laughs> it, that, that sounds like a recipe for, like you said, it's a growing monster that you're, that you're creating. Yeah. And like I said, like I'm outside the classroom and if I don't say, if I just walk away and I walk down the hallway and say, Oh man, I got out of there, man. I really escaped it. The anxiety goes away. It dissipates completely. I'm saying you think you won. You really just, you took the biggest L there. You didn't win. You just created a monster in that classroom and it's going to get angrier, scarier and bigger. And you're less likely every time you walk away from that situation, you're less likely to face it. You're less likely to conquer it and overcome it. And it's always going to be with you. And you know what? It's going to spread from the classroom. It's going to go to the movie theater. It's going to go to, you know, the baptism party for your, for, you know, your, your godchild nephew or whatever. Uh, it's, it's going to spread into all areas of your life. 
you won't be able to get on the train because you think anxiety is there. And you think no, simply just walking up the stairs and walking away, oh, I'm just going to bike today. You know, I feel better about that. It's getting worse. You have to take responsibility and, and, and face it. Now, you could do it in micro doses. You could do it in small doses and, um, you know, face it in little batches here and there. Or you could face it fully. Now, that was a little bit scarier, but I'm not telling everyone just – you know, if you're, if you're scared of bridges and you know, you're having complete anxiety, just go walk across the bridge. Okay. I'm just saying, this is what I did. This is what I did. I completely faced it. Now stoicism comes in here because this is important. Um, because one of the main principles of stoicism, it's, it's not outside events that determine really how you feel or disturb us. It's our interpretation and the meaning we assign to these outside events. When you realize that everything external really is, is neutral in a way and we assign meaning to it and how that meaning affects us and it creates emotions and stirs our feelings and that determines what actions we take in our behavior and further thoughts. That's like the ultimate superpower when you think about it. Because one of the things that happens when it's like we go back to the classroom again, we're outside the classroom, I'm telling myself in my head, the anxious mind is saying, this is dangerous, you're gonna faint, this is bad, this situation's bad. But cognitive behavioral therapy, which its roots are stoicism, comes in and says, well, where's the evidence that this is a bad situation? Yeah. Where's the evidence? Why is this bad? But if you're not asking yourself questions, if you're not trying to challenge these negative beliefs or trying to face them, but if you're not trying to challenge these beliefs, these beliefs are going to be considered valid and true. They have to be challenged. They have to be challenged. Paul, have you read uh, Psycho-Cybernetics? I have it on my shelf behind me. I was going to say, man, like the rational thinking section. Exactly. Everything that you're talking about, I got, out, I got out of that because I mean, the, the thing is, and, and yeah, you can sit there and, and be rational about it and yeah. use reason. But I think that it, it, it more comes into the part of what is your subconscious belief? Yeah. Where is it? What is engraved into, into your subconscious? Because emotion is subconscious. It's in the back of your mind. And that's where you have to go to kind of attack that. And the, asking the yeah. questions is the beginning. But I feel like it's actually repetition. And then, yes, going to get that evidence. And that's the hardest part mm -hmm. is like, okay, I got to go prove to my sub subconscious that this is ridiculous. Totally. You know? And and so it's like, uh, you know, anxiety, what, what anxiety is, is a lot of times it's us just imagining a negative scenario and then your subconscious can't tell the difference between reality and what's made up. So the thing is when you sit there and you think of something negative, then your brain releases the chemicals that yeah. create the emotion of anxiety as if it was really happening. And so it, it even, it goes both ways. It goes the same way if you were to imagine something good happening, like, you know, winning the lottery, I don't know, something and, and you can imagine actually put yourself in the position of what you would do, your brain starts to, and you start to imagine it, your brain starts to release those chemicals as well. And a lot of people don't realize that. And that's exactly what you're talking about is we have the power to do that. We yeah. have the power to place our opinions on these things because I've, I've mentioned this before where, you know, things don't happen for, they happen for a reason that we, that we give them, you know, like, uh, a, 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 how can I, how can I say a, a baby isn't born it, like, or, or, or something isn't, doesn't happen like to be bad. It's us 
saying that it's bad. Yeah. It's just saying that it's good. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as long as we just kind of let it go, just like, no, it's just happened, and, and don't place our opinion on it, we could kind of solve some, some issues. But it's kind of hard to do because it's just human nature. We're, 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 we're born to judge. You know, we, we kind of don't have much control over that. We have, we have limited control over that, I believe. Do you think – I've wondered about this, like – because I had the same realization. This was maybe like two, three years ago where I felt like one day I, I woke up and I was being – there was a situation in my job where someone was – they were upsetting me, like annoying me, angry me. And then I woke up one more. I'm like, I'm being a bitch. Like it was literally like something. <laughs> I'm like, this guy is controlling me. Like he, like yeah. he's, he's doing. And maybe he was doing it on purpose. Doesn't matter. The re- what I realized was that I realized I made the decision. I'm like, this guy is not going to control me anymore. I'm gonna go about my day. And I feel like, is there something about like the modern time where? I have a theory, I guess, which is like we consume a lot of media like film and TV and things that we consider real and we, we allow ourselves to feel the emotional experience of having them, that we almost have like, a, like an infatuation with feeling the emotional. But we rather sit and watch something and feel like we won the World Cup. Yeah. And so then now, but then when the things happen in our life, we actually do the same thing. We get all riled up. You know what I mean? Because I don't yeah. think the brain distinguishes a lot between – what it visually sees that's entertainment versus visually seeing what's your actual life. I don't know if anyone has written about this or I'm completely off base, but I have a theory that that's why so many people today are stuck in their emotions because we're always looking to get some thrill out of the show we watch or the, the, the magazine, you know, the people magazine. We're always looking for like some emotional thrill that well, doesn't start looking at our lives like that and we get taken in all these directions. It's the example. We're watching it, and we're it's an example's being set for us. Yeah. So, it, and and we're portrayed as it's portrayed as this is how things are supposed to be, and everyone kind of gets that ingrained into their minds. And it's, of course, it's involuntary, but it's us watching these TV shows, watching Hollywood, and it's why a lot of men have problems with their relationships is because they're watching these Hollywood romance uh, films, and, and they're being like, oh, that's that's how it is because it's there's no you know, it's, it, it doesn't really register at that point, especially if you're inexperienced, you're going to be able to, you're going to soak that in, you know? And so I, I really think that that's, a, that's involuntary. So w- let's talk about a little further. Like, so you guys have mentioned health, right? You started getting that right. Going to the gym. Sounds like Matt, you were yeah. doing that. Paul, was that also your approach? You, you mentioned you, you, you made the effort to accept that this, and then you started to sort of yeah. go and face those things. Yeah. How did health, did health play a role in your doing Yeah. That? So I definitely changed up my diet, started eating healthier, um, taking that more seriously, uh, supplementing with like various supplements and uh, herbal supplements, things like ashwagandha, things like that, um, trying things out. <clears throat> but really, uh, definitely working out helped a lot of like. Uh, regular lifting with weights and, and tons of running like cardio is one of the things like fully exhausting myself with, with cardio, uh, you know, trying to run like at least like, let's say four to five miles a day, like things like that, things like that definitely uh, helped me setting new milestones, new goals, things like that uh, for my, uh, for my body and where I want to take it. And 
also it, it, it connected other dots because I started setting goals for how like my what type of physical shape I wanted to be in. That's where it first started, like really with the physical. And I started setting goals. Okay, I want to lose, you know, let's say 10 pounds in the next two months or whatever it is. Start setting goals. And I would meet these goals. But it transcended just me trying to become in better shape because I applied it to other areas of my life, whether it was, you know, financial, educational, whatever. So it, it took me um, into other areas of my life that needed improvement, which almost created the full package, which definitely made me feel better about myself. And this ties into self-image. Like I always seen myself as, you know, like, I guess you could say Joe Rogan says like, be the hero of your own movie, right? Like be the hero of your own movie. But at the current state I was in, like I said, out of shape, broke, stupid, you know, like things like that. I needed to, to make progress in various areas of my life. And it started, I guess, with the physical part. Uh, that was the catalyst really for, for, for change. And that getting in shape, seeing what my body can do, seeing what some simple goal setting can do, developing discipline, taking my, you know, to myself to the gym every single day and working out, um, that infected other areas of my life in a positive way. And I started to improve, you know, other ways. I think the one thing, I, and I think I definitely, I think I learned this on Twitter, but it is a, and I, now I see it all the time, but it is a valuable insight that I hadn't thought before being on Twitter in the, in the last year which is you're either like going in the, you're either decaying or you're growing. Mm -hmm. Like I think that now I look at my life, I'm like, this is a hundred percent true. There is no neutral. You are either decaying or you're growing. Yeah. And when, and as you decay, like, you know, let's say the anxiety gets worse. It just gets worse. If you yeah. don't start like correcting that you, yeah, you're, there's only time's time. passing time's passing. Well, that's right. And that's why you feel, I feel like, you know, you can, you go and you see people as they get older and it's always, it's like, it's like things are widening, right? The person that's improving, then you see them and, you know, person would be 60 years old. One looks like they're 40 and the other one looks like they're 80. Cause it's like the, the gap is widening between the person who's continuing to improve and the one who's, who hasn't done anything is decaying. And the polarization factor of it. What are you going to say, Paul? Oh yeah. Okay. So, Part of the, like you're mentioning old age or running out of time. Uh, one of the ways which helped me, you know, get over, help me overcome anxiety and, and uh, further progress and, you know, in various areas of my life, especially anxiety, especially anxiety was I use like a mind, like a, a mental perspective, like a mental visual exercise where I would, I would picture myself around 90 years old on my deathbed sitting in a hospital, nine years old, or sitting in my bed at home, not, not having, I don't have much time left, right? In, in, this, in this little mental movie. And I'm basically giving advice to myself, almost yelling in a way, saying, listen, you need to get up and do this. You're going to be in this position where you don't have time. Right now you have time. But the hourglass, the sand's slowly slipping away. You're losing amount a little more each day, a little more each day. So I would yell at myself from that future standpoint and say, listen, you need to go up and move. That anxiety, whatever you're dealing with, you know, maybe you're out of shape, whatever it is, you need to get up and start moving now. And I, I try to do that almost like every day. I still do it. Um, it's like I'm coaching myself and yelling at myself from that future point. Um, you know, it's to keep that time in perspective. It's yeah, have I have the, I have a similar routine, like, and I do. It sounds cliche, but I do look at every single day. You know, I'll take my shower, 
get my coffee but like in the shower i'm like stretching i'm like hyping myself up like, oh yeah <laughs> like in my mind i'm like all right what do i have to do today mm-hmm. and i do i do i like it's so one it, when you think about it it's not a coincidence it's like it actually makes life a lot easier to deal with because it just chunks it it's like every day yeah. is a new opportunity so like, all right yesterday was screwed up something went bad you wake up the next day you're refreshed you you, you know you have your morning coffee you're ready for the day I feel like I never, before I, I, now I consciously take advantage of those things. And before it was like, just like so, so much routine, like, yeah. like routine was dragging me rather than me. Like, no, I'm going to dictate what, what this day is going to, is going to. Yeah. And also it's like, you can throw in a little, it sounds like, you know, you're preparing mentally ahead for the day at hand. And it sounds like, you know, the stoic exercise of premeditatio malorum, premeditation of evil. You're, looking in advance in a day you're in a shower pumping yourself up you're thinking about what you're going to deal with that day mentally preparing for obstacles that you might potentially face later in the day and rehearsing how you're going to handle them and overcome overcome them in advance it's like military strategy it's like we're going to look at okay what potential obstacles will i face today i might you know be sitting in traffic and get all pissed off someone might spill coffee on my you know fresh white shirt in line at dunkin donuts wherever it is um you know, my kids might, you know, knock the pan over at breakfast and spill eggs all over the floor. You mm. mentally see that beforehand and you picture it and you rehearse it and say, okay, listen, if this does happen, here's how I'm going to handle it. There will no be, there will no be, there, I'm sorry, there won't be an element of surprise. There won't be like, you know, I'm not, I, you won't be surprised it happened because you're already mentally prepared for it. So if you can use that exercise, good. No, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's funny that you're mentioning this because recently I've, I've kind of, this has been a, a realization for me, is how, I've re, how I would have reacted to things in the past. Yeah. I'll, I'll have things that will happen where I'll be like, no, it's cool. But then I'll think back and be like, you know what? I would have blown up at that a few years ago. And yeah. that's how you know, like you're growing. That's how you know that you're getting better. And yeah. to me, like, I'm, I'm so grateful at that point. And I'm so, so big on gratitude because yeah. it, it, it helps you sustain your relationships. It helps you keep the momentum going to your success. Mm-hmm. It helps you keep your, your health in check. I mean, when you, when you're able to just kind of shrug things off, dude, that's such a, it's such an ability. It's such a privilege, you know, and it's something you've got to work towards. Uh, Cause I remember, you know, I would, I would let the smallest thing get to me and mm-hmm. it would ruin, ruin my day. And, you know, now I'm just like, oh, that's no big deal. You know, I've dealt with that crap before, you know. Yeah, those emotions, and I because I mentioned my realization a couple of years ago, but one thing I realized was, and a lot of people I don't think realize this, but the negative emotions actually, like everybody wants some drama, like, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know who, who said that it was Jordan Peterson or not, but like when your life is just completely calm and there's nothing going on, you will create drama. So like you'll create some, either you're going to create drama or you create an adventure. Like, so if you, yeah, because it's much easier sometimes to get into a state where like something goes wrong and you make a drama out of it. And then now that's the excuse for why nothing worked mm-hmm. rather than going and facing the thing that you know you need to face. Cause now you don't have to say, well, I wasn't good enough. Like now you just use the excuse like, well, no, this happened and that just ruined me. Yeah. And it, it almost creates like a self-fulfilling prophecy and that's what, people who have like social anxiety and things like that, they, they come to these conclusions about, you know, Oh, people are going to think I'm weird or, you know, I'm weird. I'm stupid. Or people are going to think I look stupid. They'll go in there or people won't like me. It's, it's really what most common one. People won't like me. So they'll go into these situations. They'll start feeling a little anxious. 
subconsciously they'll they'll just start avoiding people and looking at people they're not aware of their body language they're not aware of like you know how they're 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 being how let's see let's um they're not aware of like let's see the the facial expressions they're giving off and things like that how they're avoiding people it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy because of their behavior subconsciously they they're, they're they believe no one will like them they believe no one will like them they're weird they're stupid well, so just we're going to act in ways. If you're, thinking, if you're thinking that, you're more than likely going to create that, right? Yes, they're going to act in ways that bring about that prophecy. That that. that and then voice. when someone has like some reaction, they're going to assume that was that it confirms that, it. What, they're, that what they were expecting. Yeah, like, it, confir- it, it confirms it. Take things What's, the wrong way, right? It's like somebody could say something, and you take it the way that they're not even intending. Yeah. It's what you give your. It's. It's what you give your focus to grows. I mean, uh, you know, I remember, you know, I'd be on stage a few times and, you know, back then I you know, had a, I had an ego problem and it was one of those, I was the type of person who I, I wouldn't, of course you, I guess no one admits their ego problems really, but I was like on the outside trying to be humble, but in, in reality I was really egotistical and uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really self-conscious about people watching me while I'd be up on stage. I mean, I would, I'd play music in front. There were a few nights where I played in front of a room of over a thousand people. And, you know, I, I, I would work myself up and be like, Oh my God, you know, what if I, what if, what if I mess up? You know, what if I, mm-hmm. you know, what if I, uh, you know, what if people don't like me? What if, what mm-hmm. if, uh, what if we sound, what if we suck? You know, like it's, what if we get booed off stage? I mean, you kind of start to think of all this stuff and that's what kind of led me to drink it a little bit too. Cause it was like, shut it up, shut it up. And I'd get up there and it would go away. But then there were also, you know, times where I'd be like, man, I really wasn't, uh, you know, I was making kind of a big deal out of that, you know, mm-hmm. and we'd kick ass, you know, but it, it was kind of like just all over the place, you know, and it's, it's hard to find that stability when you're in a situation like that, you know, where it's like, okay, well, uh, you can't catch it, you know, cause I just, I was just inexperienced. I just, things had already just kind of worked out and I, I kind of believed that things yeah. happened to me and not for me. You know what I mean? Have you ever and, felt like? Yeah, and back to you're saying you're on stage thinking like, what if this goes wrong? What if I screw up? Or, you know, what if people start booing me and I slip and fall and, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, you're stuck on this negative loop of thinking, what if, what if, what if? It's like a movie freezes and keeps playing the same part over and over and over again. You don't play the movie forward. What happens after? Okay, what if it does happen? Yeah. Okay, then people start booing. Okay, what if that happens? Then what? I mean, are they going to boo the entire night? Is it going to come to an end? Okay, the boo comes to an end. Then what? Well, you're on your way home. No big deal. So it's like people stop at that part and say, oh, my God, what if it happens? I'm going to screw up. I'm going to screw up. Okay. You think you're scarred for life. You got to push forward yeah. and play the yeah. movie. Say, okay, what if it does happen? Okay, the people are going to boo. Someone's going to throw a tomato at me. Okay, then what? Then what? Then what? What then? What's the consequence of that? And you got to play the movie forward and see what really happens and get to that conclusion and you'll realize, and this is cognitive behavioral therapy, that, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you, you know, keep going past that little negative loop. It's, it's on replay. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people do that, right? They're, they're, they're afraid of these situations, but yet they don't really think through the full extent of what would happen if it went bad. And, yeah. then, they, and then they think like, what? And I guess it's like a sign of maturity to some degree. Like you think, oh, you know, what is this person's not going to like me? Yeah. Like almost everybody thinks that way. Almost everyone is worried about the same things that you were. It's sort of freeing when you realize like, 
what if I don't care that much? <laughs> and then you could just beat you and you're like, don't, you're not too worried about the consequence. Then you actually are more likable. You're, you're more relaxed. It actually has the inverse effect. The more anxious you are, the more you're going to repel people. And the and more relaxed you are, the more you'll bring people in because they're like, oh, this guy's, he's calm. Like, I want to be around that energy. You know what else also kind of sucks about the entire situation is you have doctors that aren't preaching this, this, you know, material to their clients. And, you know, I remember I went to a, a psychiatrist and all he did was like, he just wrote me a script and it was like, it wasn't, you know, Hey man, like, let's talk about this. Let's see if we can work around this and, and teach me any of this shit that we're talking about. It's just, I'm going to give you a few pills. And it's like, to me, I was, you know, I wasn't ignorant more than I was just innocent because I didn't know. And, and a lot of people, I feel like, are going into the situation the same way, like, hey, here's some benzos to calm you down, when really what we should be doing is talking about a solution. You know, because, and I don't know a lot of people still, you know, do need these, and I'm not, you know, ex excluding them, but I feel like there's a lot of people who could, could handle this on their own if they knew what to do. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I'll, I'll share this. So my father suffered from, like, bipolar um, he was diagnosed with a whole bunch of things now, i'm not sure if he was bipolar or schizophrenic he had issues right so i knew and i and but I, I i could tell from an early age that i had very similar personality let's say temperament to he did and and i say this to like my wife and my mother and they disagree with me but i do think i'm like if i would have if i would allow myself i could go to those like states i think that because i have semi like addictive behavior sort of pleasure seeking type mindset i've had to train myself to not be like that and one, and one thing i never liked when i saw my my own father's treatment because he was an alcoholic so he had that label he was whatever schizophrenic bipolar he had that label i always used to tell myself I'm like i'm not being labeled like no one is putting a label on me i feel like sometimes that not that there aren't people that have these conditions it's like that label actually makes it like a sentence. It's like, it's like, that's what you are. And this is, this is how you operate. Puts you in a box. Like, oh, no, no, I have, I have willpower. Like I can, now I don't know if every, I feel like I should say this with like, don't, if you don't believe what I'm saying, don't take any of my advice. <laughs> this is my own personal experiences. I tell my, I, I, my mindset is I tell myself that I can get stronger and I can control how I think. And I think there's, there's a, it's actually a lot of this in the culture now where people are like, oh, your thoughts are not in your control. It's like, well, that's true. But then how, like, you can try to eventually control your thoughts. So you don't just have to be yeah. impulsive. Like there's a, there's a, there's a little gray there that not, doesn't get discussed anymore. It's like our thoughts aren't our responsibility. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't know what you guys, your guys' thoughts is on that. No, absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> it's I've, I've never heard anyone like go you know that far to the extreme because you know you, you <clears throat> definitely are a captain you know of, of the ship um so to speak but i also kind of want to mention that now in comparison to how i used to be is there's boundaries that i've set for myself where okay um you know i and it's i guess it's based off of my routine of maybe what i'm trying to say here is you know hey i, I know that there's certain things that i need to do and I know that if I put these things off, then, you know, there are going to be consequences. And that kind of just sets boundaries for myself, which kind of helps maintain 
uh, you know, I want to say maybe homeostasis is the right word for myself, but I'm trying to grow that, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and continue on the path of, of, you know, where I'm trying to get to. Um, do y'all kind of realize what I'm talking about here? Like boundaries you set for yourself of what you need to be doing. And I guess principles. Yeah. Like values. Yeah. So you're saying that those help you formulate your thinking, how you react to things. Yeah. I mean, you know, if something comes up or something like that and I can kind of delegate, you know, whether, Hey, you know, I, I can go do that or I, you know, I really need to go get this stuff done back then, you know, it was kind of like, I didn't really have anything. It was like, Oh, Hey, we're going to do this today. All right, I'll go. You know, it was like, Hey, man, let's go eat lunch. Hey, here. And it's like, you know, now I'm like, no, you know, I, well, I, I think, learned, learned to say no. You know, I think the one thing that I, that I tell myself is like, it's so easy to convince yourself that the things that happen and this, I think it's a stoic point, right? That the things that happen in your life that you're not responsible for them. Like you can always twist the story and be like, no, no, that was this person's fault. Mm -hmm. That was because this happened. But it's actually much healthier. And I can't, this I constantly do now. I'm always looking at situations, whether it's work, personal life, online, whatever. And I'm like, what could I have done differently that would have actually been a better result? And, and or how could I have thought differently about that? And, and it's taking that responsibility that no, like there's something that I can do. And you, instead of, I think today it's like so easy to just see, yeah, put off that, well, not my fault. And you actually, you'll get, now you can't improve at all. You're guaranteed, you're done. Either that or beat yourself up over it. Or beat yourself up over it. So it's like, yeah, like even, and I thought this too, like, so I'm half Hispanic and I look like my father who was white, but I, and I, and I see a lot of the racial stuff where they're like, like there is racism. Racism is a, is a fact of, of, you know, of reality. But I even think that people that deal with racism, it's much healthier to still try to think what could you do to fix your own situation? Like you're not going to, are you going to sit around and wait for people to be less racist? Like you can't control that. What can you do? <laughs> like, what can you yeah. do to actually move forward with whatever constraints or disadvantages that, that you have? And I feel like it's, they, the, the media and whoever makes it a lot easier for people who they think are, um, you know, disadvantaged, whether it's minority or whatever the case, to say, oh, well, that's your excuse. And it's like, okay, that could be true. You could be facing racism, but there's still something that you could do. There's always, almost always, there's something that you could do to actually move you forward. You know, I, I think that eventually you kind of get to a point where that, that it becomes self-evident or it becomes, you know, what happens by default. Like earlier when you mentioned the whole you know, rock bottom moment, because that's what happened to me is when I hit rock bottom, then it was like, okay, I, I can't stop. I, I can't keep blaming crap. It's finally, it's like, all right, I have to do something. If I don't do something, you know, I'm going to keep feeling the way I'm going to keep feeling. So it's like, I don't know. I guess it's almost kind of, if you don't have that experience, you have to get that experience. You have to get that, that evidence, you know, that we've been talking about and get to a point where you're just like, all right, that's it. I've had it, you know? And this is where the thinking part is extremely powerful because you got to have two people in the same situation grow up in extreme poverty, poverty sitting there. You have two people sitting there. One says, you know what, this is how my parents live. This is, you know, the government's against me. Everyone's against me. You know, it's my dad's fault. He left it's my mom's fault. This person, you know, I'm just going to do the, you know, do nothing about it because I'll never get out of this. 
Or you have the person that says, listen, I have nothing to lose. Like, I have my back against the wall. I have nothing to lose. All right, my dad left. He left. Okay. He don't want to stick around. I'm better off without him, whatever. But I need to move forward and get the ball rolling to get myself out of this situation. It's about taking responsibility. It's much easier, I guess you could say, to sit there and say, "Ah, you know what? It's everyone else's fault except for mine. I'm just going to do nothing and lounge around all day. Okay. But it's, it might be harder to take responsibility for your life, but the benefits are more rewarding. You're not a victim. You know, you're, you're just, you're not a victim. You're, you're not put in a box that says, you know what? The world's telling you, you, you can't do something. It's that, you know, you're just a victim of this and you're the system and all this other stuff. Listen, it's about taking responsibility. And part of that is not only for your, your, you know, financial situation, physical situation, whatever it might be, but taking responsibility for how you think about things. Both people were in the same position, but one said, okay, there's an opportunity here because I have my back against the wall and there's nothing I can lose by going for it. This is an opportunity to the situation I'm in. The other person saying, you know what? This is it's worthless. I can't do anything here. I might as well not even try. It's perspective. Yeah. It's all perspective. Yeah. Two people in the same situation, you can see it in a positive or negative light. And, um, you know, and that has to, that can be trained too. And it's almost like a garden. Are you, are you planting in this garden, you know, for fertile and, and positive things and, and, and things that are adding, you know, bringing value to your life or is it toxic? Nothing grows there. Is it, you know, just, it's just nasty. Nothing. Well, nasty the, nothing. The thing is, I feel like when you, when you do start taking action towards what you, you know, facing that fear or whatever, that anxiety, it's actually much less scarier than, then you realize, like now that I'm doing all the stuff that I'm doing, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna write a book. I'm, oh, let's, I'm gonna create a watch. Like each one of those instances, I could fail, but I have like a track record now. I can look back and oh, well, I did this conference, or I did, you know, I did some this thing, and I spoke on stage at my job. Like there's always, it's like the more that you do, you actually set you you set like a new foundation because you know that you're what you're you start to realize that you're competent, you're capable. So you don't have to go to those states anymore where you're like, you're not going to do it. If you would just sort of, like you're saying, plant those seeds and realize, okay, I can do a couple of these things. And you just keep yeah. on it from there. Yeah. And it's like failure. People with the problem with, if people, how they view failure, it's like, I know it sounds cliche when not, but people will say they view failure as the end. Like, oh, I struck out. That's just who I am. I just, I can't hit a ball or that, that business failed or this idea failed. That's, you know what? Time to give up now. You know, that's it. Failed. No, failed is, it's only showing you what does not work. That's all it's showing you. It's giving, it's an opportunity to figure out what does work. Or, well, you know. of our education system. You know, we, we go through school and we're taught it's bad to fail. You know, you got an F. Yeah. You know, yes. <laughs> you're not going to the next grade, you know, or, or you're not, you're not going to pass class. It's in, so like it's ingrained in our minds from a really young age. Why? It's, it's Why do they do that? That's like and a that, whole other podcast. <laughs> Why do they do that? You know, that's, well, that's what I'm I'll saying. Hit, like, I'll hit on my perspective on that. So, and I had a, for anyone listening to the podcast, I think the third episode was actually on this topic with um, Zach Slayback because uh, John Taylor Gatto who wrote about this past and we talked about his, his books so the education system is literally it is by design. Like Oh absolutely. Yeah, it's a hundred percent by design that if you look at the roots of the system, it's all like a it's a class funneling system. Like it's like you're oh you're you're elite, here you know, go, here's your path. You're from the inner city, you're poor, here's your path. Like it's 
it's a more of a organizing function than like trying to actually educate. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's why. That's why we we talked in that podcast a lot about like what are the alternatives, homeschooling or if you can get your kid into like some different type of style school where they don't do the typical uh, grading system. And, that, and that's just like the surface of it. There's other lessons that kids learn, like just the fact that you don't get to concentrate on things for long periods of time, right? Everything is like ring a bell. It's all to like have you be, talking about, be a very, yeah, be a very emotionally driven person and, and impulsive person rather than a deep thinker. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, let's say that, you know, someone here is listening to us and they're dealing with anxiety and they're, they're dealing with depression or whatever. Like, what would y'all say are some, some of the first actionable steps they could take to get things going in the right direction? Well, I think you guys mentioned the, the gym, diet. Like, for me, myself, gym was huge. Don't be afraid to reach out and talk to someone. That's someone don't that be afraid. Trust. It could be it could be a therapist, it could be a friend, it could be a family member. Don't feel like you know you're weird or it's wrong to feel this way or uh, you're bad or you're you know something's really wrong with you. It's like and you can't speak out. It's like no, talk to someone, talk to your best friend, talk to your dad if you can. You know it's it's not it's okay to ask for some help. You know it's 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 okay to ask for help. The stigma behind it of saying that if you ask for help you're you're weak, but to be honest, yeah. with you, asking for help is strength. Like it takes a lot of strength to ask somebody for help and talk to somebody about stuff. Yeah. Seneca, it's funny. Seneca has a quote in a uh, letter from Stoic. He says, listen, if you and your, com if your comrades storming a wall and you're behind them and you can't reach up and get over the wall, are you just going to like not go up the wall? No, he'll reach down. He'll pull you over the wall. You'll get over the wall with him. He'll reach down and give you a helping hand. It's the same concept. Don't be afraid to reach out for help. Um, and, and another, I guess, solution, I would say people, there has to be people aren't conscious of, I guess they're, they're breathing most of the time, most of the time, you know? That. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Um, a lot, I do like in the morning when I get up, I do a lot of box breathing, a lot of deep box breathing, uh, you know, four, seven, eight counts or just, you know, um, four by four by four counts, things like that. I do a lot of breathing. What because they, me, is that what that's called? I haven't, is that box? What, what would they look up to find what you're doing? You can look up square breathing, box breathing, and it's, it's a very simple exercise. Um, you inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, and you repeat that You know, five to ten times you do it in the morning. And you'll notice it clears your head. It calms you down. It calms you down because it engages your parasympathetic nervous system, which does that's, calm you down. That's what um, I was going to say is because when, you, when you're getting anxious, it, it, it activates – I guess what it does is it kind of slow, shuts that breathing yeah. kind of down and, and it's, it's subconscious. You don't realize that you're not taking yeah. full breath. So, yeah. and, and that's something that it's funny. You mentioned that is because I realized that, that, that that's something that's helped, that helped me too. Mm -hmm. Is I'll sit there and be like, take a deep breath. And that minute yeah. it's, it's so underrated. I, uh, I set alarms on my phone. Uh, something I've been doing recently. I set one for like, you know, uh, seven thirty in the morning, noon, four o'clock, and she says, "Do some deep breathing work." And I remind, okay, let's do, let's do five. Yeah, let's do five minutes of box breathing real quick. Nice. Five minutes, and I'll just do, you know, let's tw twenty sets of that. You could say twenty sets of box breathing. You'll notice when you come out of that how good you feel, how clear your mind feels. Um, so definitely look into deep breathing. 
or pranayama breathing where you it's you know close off one nostril inhale exhale through the other nostril things like that uh all good breathing exercises to clear your mind and calm you down um they're used by like navy seals police officers military officials things like that uh to remain calm in high stress situations um so definitely looking into breathing i would say <laughs> not just breathing you know what i mean deep breathing uh also seeing you need to see yourself this is really important too this comes in self-image you need to be able to see you need to see yourself as, as able at, you know, able at overcoming what, what you're dealing with. If you're a socially anxious person, you need to see yourself and say, listen, I can mingle. You have to see yourself in situations. Okay. I can mingle with people. I can become a social person. I can see the situations not being anxious in the yeah. future. I can do it. I can get over this. But if you're sitting there with the self-belief and creating the self-image of, and you're constantly seeing pictures in your head of your, of this person that's like, you know, isolated in the corner. It's, you know, everyone's threatening. I'm terrible. And I'm always going to avoid people. I'm always going to be that person that can't go out and do things. I'm always going to avoid, you know, the Metro or the, you know, the subway, whatever it is, or, you know, family gatherings. Cause I'm scared. I'm, I get anxious in those situations and I can't do anything about it. If you stay with that negative self-belief and that negative self-image, it's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. I think the, the problem with that is because, you know, I, I would do that myself, but I think that it was the truth. And what I didn't realize at the time is that truth is subjective in, from yeah. that point. So it's like, okay, it, it, with, and, and we go back to the quote of whether you say you, or you think you can, or you can't, you're right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's subjective. So yeah. it's like, okay, if, if that's the case, you want something right. And, and yes, everybody wants something. So look, Tell yourself what you want as much as possible until it clicks. I mean, don't stop telling yourself what you want until it clicks in your mind. And, yeah. and, and eventually you start thinking about it. It becomes repetition. It does start to get ingrained in your, It st starts to become a part of your subconscious. Wait, I want that. Mm -hmm. And it starts, to, it starts to come to you. But it's, you've got to practice it. It's repetition. Yeah. yeah. I think the, and, that, the other thing I was going to say was, that is sort of linked to the concept of like, like you're saying subjective part of it or the fact that whatever you, like you, for, for you to accomplish something, for, the first thing that has to happen is that you believe you're actually going to do it. Like a, it, or else it's not going to happen. Yeah. I think too many people, because we're trained to want the opinions of others or the approval of others, we're like waiting for other people to believe first. It's like, no, no, no. It's actually this. It's actually much more simple than that. All all that has to happen is you have to believe. Like exactly. you believe, and and I've done this now like two or three times. Each project that I do, when I started the conference, I had I don't know less than a thousand followers. I didn't know anyone, generally speaking. I know maybe a couple of people, but I told myself like I'm gonna have this conference. There's gonna be maybe five speakers that'll be four. You have no idea. Just go and do it. And like you you just make it happen. And just forget yeah. about like whether somebody's going to like it or because I'm always shocked. I actually now find it entertaining. Like I'll announce something and it'll ha I'll have like really wide different reactions. Like sometimes I'll announce something and I'll get tons of people buying. Sometimes I'll announce something is like crickets. Mm. And now I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. I just keep going. I'm like, all right, they didn't like that. Whatever. Let's try something different. But it's like, I think people get too caught up in like the reactions and they're waiting. Like, did I, is, am I doing the right things? It's like, no, no, you, if you think you're doing the right things, you have the belief, just go and do it. Eventually the world will catch up. Like, don't worry about it. They're busy that's, doing their own things. They don't, they're not paying much attention to you. You just keep going. That's the thing about risk is like, you have to take risk in order to grow. 
but what people do, and, and I know because I've, I've done this and I've talked with plenty of other people that have done this as well, is like, okay, since there's risk, there's, you know, a, a, a positive side and the negative side. So it's like, okay, is there pain on the negative side? Oh, well, if there's a chance for pain, then I don't want to do it because, you know, mm-hmm. it's not guaranteed that I'm not going to, you know, have to, or that I'm not going to experience that pain, you know? But it's like you, people don't realize that the pain's good for you. That pain is actually really good for you. And it, and it, it increases your tolerance to other pain. Like, look, and I, this is what I love to do about like certain perspectives. It's like, okay, look at what someone else did. And, and com, com, we, we always talk about like, okay, don't compare yourself to other people, but there's actually times where you could compare yourself to other people and it help you like, okay, compare yourself to someone who went really went through some shit, you know, mm-hmm. and then be like, Oh man, if, if I had to go through that, like, for example, a friend of mine had to live in his van until, uh, you know, he had 500 bucks to his name. And I sit there and talk about, you know, from my perspective, like my business It's like, okay, well, if, if I had to sleep in a van or sleep in my car in order to make my business work, would I do that? Absolutely. If that was, if that's what it, what it was going to take for it to work, then, then I would do it. And then I think to myself like, okay, well, I'm not there yet. So and this is not this this thing that I'm this risk that I'm about to take is not going to put me there either, you know what I mean? So it's like it's 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 definitely strategizing and then and trying to to come up with that perspective. And I think mm-hmm. comparison is healthy in that that perspective. Yeah, no, I, I think that's hundred percent valid. And the, and the thing there is talking about the pain. It's like people will see okay if I if the positive and negative route. Okay, if I don't experience the pain, I win right here. But even if you do experience that pain, there's still an opportunity in that pain to display strength and to learn and to grow from that. And like you said, uh, you'll be, you'll be more likely to, um, it's like your mental, like Goggins would say you're mentally callousing your mind doing these, these painful things, these uncomfortable things. It's the same thing Like going forward, you're least likely to collapse in, in, in when you experience more pain in the future, because you've, you're building that, that little, that little past like little catalog of experience. Okay. I felt this pain before here's pain again. We've been here before yeah. we've done this before. It's and you become, perspective. Yeah. And you become thankful for it too. It's like, it, and not only that, but that's, what, that's what makes the story, man. Like, Hey, if you want to tell somebody the story where everything worked out for you, no yeah, one's uh, people cares. are going to be like, dude, you suck. I hate you. I, that never happens for me, you know? <laughs> but, but when, when things like, go against you and you had to overcome they're like oh man that's awesome you know that you know maybe i can do that too and they relate to you because they realize you're real and you deal with real shit you know yeah i had had someone dm me and they were telling me like i forget the main reason they dm me but they were basically saying hey i try everything and i fail no matter what i try and i fail and i was telling him like look i don't know your full circumstances like but I just told him exactly what you said. All you, you have to switch your perspective. You have to say that actually this is going to make for a better comeback story. And I a hundred percent believe that's true. There's no other way that's positive to look at it. If you're in a huge rut, you have to just switch it and say like, okay, well then the story is going to be how I got out of this thing. Mm-hmm. It's and that's all you can, that actually is the most useful way to think of it. And it's, but I do, I'm a big believer in like, you have to be like part of that belief part of it is built on a foundation of like you embrace your own story. Like I feel like too many people dismiss their own story. Like they, they don't even think that their own excuses are good enough. Like they almost like 
downplay themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you've been through some hard shit. You better like, like own all of that, own all the good and the bad and use that and, and then be proud of it when you get out of it. And I feel like people downplay that. Oh, I'm not interesting enough. But I'm like, no, you need to like, you need to, if you don't think you're interesting, no one else is going to, you have mm-hmm. to look and see what, and then if you really aren't interesting, go and do things that are interesting. Yeah. Totally. So what, what else do you guys want to touch on? We started to touch on your stories and, and how you got out of it. I know, do you want to, we talked about the health exercise, the breathing, anything else people should be aware of or. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely it's like when we, when we say health, like get in, like do something that is going to give you a cortisol release because we have this, we have this, uh, this comfort zone, this, this, this circle of homeostasis before we get into the gym, it's like this small. But as you, as you keep going to the gym and as you continue to, uh, you know, push yourself and, and, and push yourself past those boundaries, they start expanding and your, your homeostasis and that comfort zone starts to grow. And then the stress factor starts to come down. I really, I really think that's what helped me is because when I started giving myself that cortisol relief, that cortisol release, instead of letting life give me that cortisol relief, then the things that life would throw at me, it was like, oh, well, I, you know, it wouldn't affect me as much physically. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's super important to go in and lift weights. Yeah. I had the same experience where just the, yeah, it's like the, even running to some degree, it's all like a training for when it happens like outside of the gym, like you, you know, that feeling of like when you've, you've sprinted and you're out of breath and then when that actually happens in real life, you've already felt that. It's like a practice run almost. Yeah. So I think he's getting in the gym. Super important. Also super important. Start asking yourself questions, get in the habit of asking yourself questions in difficult situations. Maybe it's in your lounge time, ask yourself questions about what you're doing, what you're thinking. And most importantly, when you're facing a difficult situation, ask yourself a few different questions. What are the consequences of not doing this? What are the consequences of not facing this fear? What are the consequences of not going through and pushing past, you know, trying to break through my comfort zone? What would, I guess you say, you know, the future desired, you know, me, how I want to see myself in the future. What would he, what would that person tell me to do in this situation? How would my future descendants feel about me in this situation when I look back and say, okay, he didn't do it. He didn't push forward. He just, he gave up. That's why questions are important because they bring perspective and they could change, you know, direction you take when you really think about the consequence of what your actions are. If I decide, okay, listen, I'm done, you know, public speaking or presentation, giving presentations because you know what? I get too anxious. How will you feel when you're not, think about it. How will you feel when you're 90 years old and you say, listen, I never did anything. I never did it. These would be your biggest regrets. You say, I, I should, you'll see saying, I should have went for it. I should have just faced my fears and did the presentation. I should have faced my fears and went and talked to that girl. I should have got, got over myself and got in the gym and stopped making excuses and just did it. I could have had the body I wanted. I could, you know, I could have did these things, but I didn't. So it's important that you ask yourself in that moment, what are the consequences, the long-term consequences of not doing this? How will not doing this hinder me? What will it do for me? What will it not do for me? 
and you ask yep. yourself and you get in that that project yourself into the future and look back and say okay this is what he's doing i have you know exercises like this in my uh journaling ebook and stuff like that where we i take the person say okay imagine yourself in the future say i call you your future wise self you're talking to your inner wise self and you're acting like the past self and the future self and you act like your future future self is the desired person you wish to become you're already that person or you have the ability to become that person but you're going to act like the future self and you talk to your past self who you are now say listen Look what you're doing. You should be in the gym. You should be facing these fears. You can do it. Look who you could become. See yourself. Look who you could become. But you're not doing it. You're scared. You need to do it. We know what we need to do for the most part. We know we need to do it. But we rationalize and we come up with these excuses why we shouldn't do it back to the comfort zone because we want to stay in that little cozy bubble of warmth and sprinkles and you know fuzzy and fluff because it's nice there. There's no pain. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, that's what it really is. Well, it's much, it's much easier to stay there than to face the risk of failing, right? To some degree. That's what people rationalize. They're like, yeah. And if you went and you did it, then you, then you might actually be proven like, well, you weren't made. <laughs> yeah, you, know, and you mentioned the questions, uh, Paul, because you know, I've, I've done that for myself as well. And that <laughs> kind of helps with awareness. Mm -hmm. that, that helps with, with your, the awareness of your emotions and the awareness of your situation. So it's like for me, and this is one of the things like, so I used to be, I used to be in engineering and one of the, one of the techniques we would use to, to get down to the root of the problem is five why. Well, you could, could do, you could do that uh, for any type of situation that you have a problem with, especially your emotions. Well, why, why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. Because of this. Well, why, why is that? You know, and just keep going. You're going to, yeah. eventually you're going to realize like, you know, this is kind of stupid. And, yeah. and then that, that kind of gives you the evidence right there that your subconscious needs in order to be able to get over it. And this is that, that five why exercise sounds like, you know, the, what if, what is the consequence exercise of cognitive behavioral therapy when dealing with anxiety provoking thoughts? You say, okay, I'm going to collapse if I go in front of all these people or something like that. Okay. What's the consequence of that? Well, uh, you know, I, I fall on the ground and people start laughing at me. What's the consequence of that? Why is that important? Uh, well, because people are not going to like me and then, you know, I'll be considered weird. Okay. What's the consequence of that? Well, and then you start, you start getting to that point where you're like, it's really like, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't make you sense. How ridiculous you're being. And like yeah. the thing is like your brain, your, your ego, everything that we have that, that we say we need to conquer and get over. It's like, it's, it's designed to protect us. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it just works too well. Yeah. Sometimes it, it works you know, too good up to the extent that it actually holds you back. And that's when you actually need to get control of it because it's, we like back in like you know the hunter gatherer days when we went hunting and whatnot you know you'd be like oh well, what if the tiger's around the corner you know or something like that and then would it make more sense but now it's like stupid so you gotta ask those questions and then realize how stupid it's being you know there's a good quote it says the quality of the questions we ask ourselves determine the quality of our life yeah do you guys think that like how do you think social media and technology play into it just seems like these issues are more and more prevalent. And even with kids at a younger, younger age, like you think all that stuff plays into it? I think it's just a tool. I think it's, it really depends on how you use it. And, and, uh, but I also think that it, uh, what is it? it? It intensifies how you use it as well. So like people who uh, can use it to grow really grow, but then people who have, 
it's debilitating to is really debilitating. You know, I think it's very polarizing. So it's like, I don't know how, how to really prevent that. I mean, it's, it's to kind of go into the, the extremes of setting boundaries for yourself or something like that. It's like, I don't know. That's a, that's well, something I haven't put too much thought behind yet. I feel like one thing that I do is if, if I follow someone and I find myself getting annoyed constantly at their tweets and it's like for like, cause then I think about, well, what are they talking about? It's something mm-hmm. like political or they're just using social media to vent. I'm like, all right, I can't follow this person. Yeah. But it, so I always judge this like, is this person making me like putting me in a better mindset versus a worse one? <laughs> like am I, when I look at the, their account, am I like, getting annoyed or angry about something because they're constantly tweeting about yeah something they're complaining I, about or po- po- something political or are they like something someone who's positive putting out good energy in that direction i think it's important to there could be a drawback to that though i think it's important to look at why you're getting like angry or you know uh you feel like you should unfollow this person or you shouldn't see their tweets anymore is it like a maybe cause deep down you just like disagree with it is it something that you really need to unfollow the person over or something like that or is it you know see the, i i think the problem with like one of the problems with social media is that we engage in comparisons we engage in comparisons we see people doing they're at the next level they're not let's say better than us they're at the next level or they're doing better at the moment yeah. whether it's financially your body however it is um business wise uh we see them you know just you know, if I'm an out of shape guy and I see this dude rock solid, you know, with a bunch of girls, I'm, I'll feel like a loser, right? I mean, I shouldn't, but this guy will feel like a loser because he's engaging in this comparison. He thinks, okay, I, that should be me. I should be like that. Or, you know, I wish I had that. And then he'll start coming to these, he'll start developing these, like, these excuses for why he doesn't have that. And he'll start saying, oh, yeah, he's probably a douche anyway, or he's probably a terrible guy anyway. Like, he got lucky. And then we start making excuses. And then we, you know, we try we make these excuses and make ourselves feel better about ourselves and rationalize why we're in this situation. And I think that's part of the problem. We, we engage in these, these social comparisons and then the fear of missing out, things like that. And, you know, it, a lot of it's lack of, lack of knowledge and lack of perspective. If people, if most people knew these things, like the fear of missing out, you're engaging in social comparisons when you do that. Don't do that. Like if they knew these things, I think it would make it better. Uh, I, I think it's more of a lack of wisdom and knowledge problem uh, versus the actual, like you said, it's a tool. It's just, it's, it's actually just a tool, but it, be, it can become destructive depending on how we, how we, what meaning we attach to the things we're seeing, what meaning and we're assigning to these pictures of these people and they're doing these things and, you know, they're so happy and they were not happy and they're happy, you know? So what are you telling yourself about what you're seeing? Yeah. I think that's very important. And I think you're, you're hitting on, I talk about this in my book, like the emotion of envy, right? That you're envious of something. And it's actually a very like poisonous emotion. There's like no use to it literally because it, because you actually, whatever it is you envy of them, you're almost setting a wall for you to actually get that. Cause you it's not like, instead of looking at that person and be like, Oh, maybe I can learn something. Maybe I can get closer to what that person, you almost like push it away. Cause you. Well, I think that's where envy, I think, and here's the weird part. I think envy can take you down two roads. I think envy can take you down the road of, you know, oh man, I wish they had what they had, but I don't. And then you start making excuses and, you know, got this little negative trail of, you know, 
whining and complaining about your life. Or you could see this envy. You could say, okay, I want what they have. I want what they have. You know, I might be feeling a little negative about making excuses, but okay, I want what they have. Let's stick with that. How can I get it? How can I use what they have? I'm seeing this image fuel me to get there. How can it fuel me to get to that point? How can, you know, this desire I have for what they have take me to the next level? What can I do now to get there? So I think you could use it, you know, as, as fuel to get you where you want to be. But most of the time, it doesn't go in that direction. Most of the time people will see it and they say, oh, you know, he's got lucky or he's just, he's a terrible person or, you know, it, it goes down a negative route for the most of the time. Most people don't, you know, uh, see other people with what they desire and use it as fuel. Most people probably don't see it as fuel, you know. Well, I think it's like one of the interesting things about like the time that we live in, like, there's so many opportunities and different things that you can do. There's so many people that have become successful financially, whatever mm -hmm. that, the, that you, we, you, like you said, we play this comparison game instead of realizing like, like I have friends who do this, like really successful, but they're like comparing themselves to like Mark Zuckerberg. It's like, dude, that, that's like a lottery ticket winner. Okay. Mm -hmm. So forget about him. Like look at where you're at and you've done a lot. And you're going in the right direction. Like, just put the blind. Oh, I, I, I sort of like the mentality of like, just, just be better than you were the day before you yourself. Like, you can't really compete against anybody, really. Like, you can only look at where you were the yeah. day before and be like, what can I do a little better and a little better. And, and, and the thing is, I always tell, I always say this. I'm like, you have the ultimate advantage over everyone. How? No one is is better at being you in the world. There's no one in the world that could be beat you at being you. You know, you're unique. Um, and, and gratitude comes into play here too. I, I think I, I, there's a positive form of gratitude where you're like, oh yeah, you know, thank, thank you for, you know, I, I'm thankful for having this and this and this and this, you know. I like to do a form of negative gratitude and it sounds weird, but I like to visualize tragically losing the things I hold dear to me in life. And yeah, it, could, it could be, it could be, you know, my, my dog, it could be, you know, my family members, my, you know, my dad, my siblings, my house, you know, um, wherever I'm at in life, right. Everything goes wrong and it burns down to the ground. I I'll visualize seeing, you know, these people in, at their funeral, you know, my family members and really picture it. And when I come out of it, I'm so thankful to still have all this. I'm so thankful to still have all this because it could be so much worse. It could really be so much worse. I do the same thing with my, my body parts. <laughs> It's like I've, I've done it before. I've had a video where it's like, okay, you imagine not having your fingers or something, you know, mm -hmm. it's like you realize how, and Oh, and uh, you know, I went to the lake last weekend and you know, we were jumping off the dock and whatnot and I got water lodged on my ear and that night I could not hear out of my left ear. And it made me realize how precious being able to hear is. And I was like, God, please. Like I, and I was honestly sitting there. It was good. It was making me anxious. I had to do some of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, I've, I've, I've been so used to hearing my entire life. It's like, okay. And, I, and and you can't help it but to imagine like what life would be like if you were deaf. It's like, man, I wouldn't be able to communicate. Like I'd have to learn sign language. Is like, and then like you feel bad for the people that or maybe not, maybe not necessarily like bad, you know, some people grow up learning, learning how to do it and whatnot. But it's like, you know, you would just, it would put you in a very tough situation. You're like, man, I'm so thankful. I don't have to deal with that. I have my hearing, you know, and it's like, I, I've done the same thing. It, gratitude puts you in a mindset of abundance. So, and, and when you have an abundance mindset, it's like when you feel you have enough, then you could give and giving is where 
you get everything in life. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's, it all, we, we always, we're always thinking about like, what can we get? You know, what, what, mm-hmm. what am I getting out of this? You know, how am I, I going to experience, but it's really all about other people and like serving others and how you impact others. And when you start worrying about others, you start serving others, the stuff that you're, you just, you get taken care of. It's, it's strange how like things work out for you, you know, yeah. like, I don't know if y'all have ever noticed that, but it's like, man, I don't have to worry. Like as long as I'm taking care of people and as long as I'm, I'm, I'm helping others, man, my stuff gets taken care of, dude. It's like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. Don't you feel like that? Um, what was I going to say? I feel like a, a lot of people, they, I, I think one of the things that I had to learn was where was I, what was I using to judge my own happiness? And, and, and then, and I had to realize like a lot of the things that, and I think this is a problem with just in, just cause we're in such a, like a materialistic society that if you come back from those things, if you stop depending on those things to feel good, then you just realize like, Oh, like, all I really need is to like eat, have some free time, read a book, get yeah. some time, go to the beach, and I'm happy. Really? <laughs> like like when you when you find when you actually get the right perspective of like, oh, this is all and maybe it's more like that stoic idea of like contentment rather than the constant thrill of being trying to search to have fun and be happy. Like just being okay existing and, and, and living. And then it almost like shifts that perspective and you can operate more freely around what you're saying, Matt, like focusing more on like get how you can give to other people. And then it brings even more joy because now you've made someone else happy. Exactly. I think that like, it's, 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 and I, I don't know if y'all ever really come to the same conclusion, but for, for me, I come to the same conclusion of everything that it's all about balance. Like, Okay. It's, it's not bad to want these materialistic things. It's, it's not bad to, to want a, a life to be a certain way, but it's, it's not okay to not be okay with how things are now, you know? And it's like, okay, well, if that doesn't work out, I'm still going to be fine because I got this. You have to be able to do that, you know? And I think it's that, that balance of, okay, I'm, I'm happy with what I have now, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying to get more and I'm going to stop trying to give more to others, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think the Stoics, the Stoics would refer to these things, like I guess you could say material things and things along the lines of that, as like preferred indifference. Like they're indifferent to the nature of it, but they still like they prefer wealth over poverty. They prefer health over sickness, you know, but they're not going to be a terrible person in the pursuit of these things. If they're not going to let these things determine to determine their character. And, you know, yeah, they're not going to let them, you know, let these, you know, material things, whatever they are, bad or good, whatever it is. Uh, determine what type of person they'll become. Um, you know, they're not gonna let a mansion or you know, uh, being born in complete poverty determine their actual character. They're they're still indifferent to it. They still prefer being healthy over being poor. They still prefer you know having nice things or having nothing. But the the the, the point of it is to not let either or determine who what type of character you'll have. Temptation. The part's neutral. And it, it, it's about. I guess fending off temptation or being able to resist yeah. the temptations because when you solidify who you are, then something comes along that tempts you with this, you know, this, this wealth or this, you know, yeah. real item and whatnot. And, and if it tells you to compromise that, that 
those values and those principles and whatnot, then no, mm -hmm. you, you know, and of course I feel like that's, that's, that's absolutely necessary. I definitely encourage that amongst people, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's tough to do sometimes. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I talked to a gentleman just last week. He was, he had to be on a reality or he got the chance to be on a reality TV show and they were going to pay him $10,000 per week, you know, but he, he, he was, and this is why I have so much respect for him is because, because of what they were asking him to do. He did not want his children to be able to see that one day. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, but can you imagine? It's like, okay, you went from making $40,000 a year to making $40,000 a month. And you said no to that because of the person that made it tough to do character, man. So tough to do. Yeah. And I, I think people, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I think they, I think what I was getting at is they make decisions based on right. Chasing those material things or like, the, like you're mentioning higher pay instead of like their own values, right? What, what their principles are sticking to those. Cause you when the more you make decisions against what your own principles are, you actually respect yourself less. Mm -hmm. And then other people see that. So it's like you degrade yourself almost. So I, I think that like, I, I've never done something like what you described with your friend, but I have turned down jobs where I was going to make 50%, 40% more. And I thought like, no, this is actually the better company, better situation. Here's some other things that I could do. It's like, do that. And it's like, instead of the choosing the material, quick, instant gratification thing, you choose the better long-term thing. And then you, then you respect yourself more. You're like, no, that was a good choice. And you, and you yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're proving your own competence and your own, uh, you're building respect for yourself by, by doing these things. I think that's where the actual true, you know, happiness so to speak actually comes from because it's like a lot of people get into this you get sucked into the idea that okay more money equals more things and 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 more you know i'm gonna be able to do this now and it's like you know does it does that is that really what's gonna do it for you like I'm, i mean to, to me it's like you know what is it hedonism that we deal with a lot of it today where you're chasing that dopamine high and it's like okay well if you keep going after it eventually you're gonna build tolerance to it and then you're going to be like, oh, this sucks. You know, I could have, should have stuck with what I was doing. You hedonically adapt. Exactly. And so it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like it's so prevalent nowadays. You watch everyone else do it and it's, it's hard not to, I mean, you, you're just, you don't know anything else. You see so many people doing it. It's like the education system. You know, you, they tell you what to do. They, they tell you go to a college, get a degree, get a house, get a mortgage, get a job, whatever. And it's like, okay, that's it, you know? And then you don't, you don't think about anything else until somebody comes along and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, you don't have to do that. You can do this. And that's what happened to me. Because I feel like mainstream culture tells you to be happy, you have to spend money. You have to consume, 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 spend money to be happy. Yeah. But they don't, they don't, why, why would they tell you that? Listen, how about experience with your family, sitting around the fireside, having some fun on the lake, throwing a football around? These are the things that bring happiness, going through the struggle and overcoming yourself, you know, losing, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, not a couple of years ago, let's say six years ago, I lost a hundred pounds. I spent nine months running and lifting and working out that, that memory, thinking about that and seeing where I'm at today, that brings me happiness. Not like going and buying a new pair of Jordans, sitting in line for, you know, 14 hours and you get that new pair of Jordans. Oh my God, I could put it on. You put the Jordans you on. Fit in with the people that really don't care about 
it's the, it's, it's more of a, the struggle and overcoming things and giving it. But like I said, mainstream society doesn't want to emphasize that because there's no money in it. There's no money in it. So it's chase happiness, chase happiness. You're constantly chasing. You're never going to get to it. Or you'll think you get to it when you get this, when you spend a little bit and you get this little dopamine rush, you feel it, you experience it for a few weeks or whatever it is, a few days, and then it goes away. Okay, that's happiness. I have to go spend more. I have to go do another thing. I have to go well, do another thing. That's what I was going to say. Like all that, all those routes of like pleasure seeking, you, you to then get a higher dopamine hit, you've got to go even further. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you, like, I had one of the talks in the conference was about pornography. <clears throat> but this guy, the guy that I had in it, helps men and couples deal with it. So he's telling me that the further you go in it, you then you have to look at even crazier stuff to get the same dopamine. So now you're even like doing things that if at the beginning somebody told you you'd be doing them, you'd be like, I'm not going to do that. But you're in order to get that extra hit, you're going, you know, I guess it's like what people say with like, you know, you try a certain drug and you're going to want to move to the next one or whatever. The gateway drugs. Yeah. I don't know if that necessarily is true, but I think it is true that if you, if, if what you're looking for in life, right, if you're chasing like the next weekend or the next party, mm-hmm. then you always, in order to be happy and you got to outdo the last thing, instead of just being happy, like living, breathing, going outside, seeing your family, like, yeah, you know, sitting down for a second, having a cup of, like, I enjoy the simple things. I actually think that's why I'm fairly, I've, I've come to a good place because I could just do very basic things and be very content. <laughs> That's important because, and that, and that's, that's a question people need to ask yourself to say, okay, I'm not happy. Okay. Why, why am I not happy? What's my definition of happiness? Is it the simple thing? Spending time with family, you know, doing little things, throwing the ball around, barbecuing with the family, having these experiences to look back on and reflect on later in life. Or is my definition of happiness going to the mall and buying a bunch of clothes and you know, okay, why are you doing that? You want to look good. You want to try to impress other people. Is that why you're doing this? What are you, what are you doing these things for? Uh, what's the motivation behind these things? Why do you want to go get those new pair of Jordans? What's the motivation? Ask yourself questions. Why am I doing this? And what is my conception of like happiness? What's, what is my definition of happiness? And you'll, you'll start to question yourself. For me, I, that's who I was. And that's, that's part of the problem is that like people don't really know who they are and what they believe um, and why they believe it. I would like always sort of follow. It's like what they say is, is if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, okay. And what you're, what you're, what you're doing is you're defining what it is, you know, what you want to hit, you know, what kind of person do I want to be? What do I want to experience? A lot of people don't ask themselves those questions. They don't define nope. that. They don't, they don't, they don't want to solidify like, okay, who do I want to become? And it's, it's like, okay, well, I, I don't know. I feel like people just watch other people and it's like, okay, you, what is it? You know, compete with the Joneses or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it, and it becomes that. And it's like, okay, well it's because you never took time to yourself to actually define what it is you wanted. You know, but journaling is important, but journaling and writing is very important. Whether it's you're writing online, writing in, in a book, whatever it is sitting down, asking yourself questions, having time for self-reflection, things like that are crucial, crucial, crucial. What I want to know is if your journal entries are as, as fire as your tweets. Because <laughs> I've noticed my, my writing has changed everywhere outside of Twitter. Now I, I write much more punchier. <laughs> yeah. 
my writing is definitely starting to improve. Um, definitely because of Twitter. Because you have to the thing with the th- thing with Twitter is like you have to try to make it. You have to um, consolidate the information you're trying to get out and to, to make it hit. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, very punchy. Yeah. And uh, that's definitely made me a better writer for sure, especially with journaling. Because I, I remember I used to journal and just be writing about the same idea, long, drawn-out ideas. Now it's like I get right to the point. I get right to the point where I'm saying I'm not wasting pages of, you know, saying the same thing over and over again. I'm getting right to the point and, you know, saving myself some time and trying and being more effective in the actual uh, practice of it. Yeah. And one thing I'll I'll say is I feel like people don't realize that the bar is actually really low. Like there's so many opportunities. Like as soon as I just started doing things, I immediately, like, let's say with Twitter, for example, Mm -hmm. you immediately stand up. As soon as you just start doing the smallest things and it's much lower than you, than you think it is like you. And, and, and yeah, and people, and people put, they almost put like this barrier. They say they, or they label someone, oh, that person's talented or a genius. And they're like, uh, like, for example, I had people tell me, I, I wrote that tweet storm and then I, then I decided the next day I was going to write a book on it. And then I put it, I put it a month away. And somebody was like, you're not going to write that book in a month. I'm like, yeah, I am. And I wrote it in 37 days and it's not, it's like 90 pages. Is it a full official book? It's close. I'm probably going to add a little. But what I told myself was like, it's just typing on a computer. Like these people, everyone is just psyching themselves out. Even I've done. Like just sit down, you type, you explain your thoughts, and it becomes a book. Now, is it going to be like the, the best edited? No, but you have to like, I don't know. You there's all these like stand. There's so much stuff that's produced that people put. They see what they see like that video. Yeah, the perfectionism. They're like, oh, look at that. My thing has to be with the right lighting. And I'm like such a believer in like, no, ship what you can do in the best you can do in the most reasonable time. And I like just, I just go by that principle, like, and make just progress over, I think Eric Bandhol said this to me. He's like, that he loved that I just said progress over perfection. I'm like, that's a hundred percent. Just make some progress. I like that. Dude, Bill, I was going to say, man, like, like I told you the other day, you know, you, you told us that and you came out with this book and I was like, man. Yeah, because I've been telling myself for the longest time, like, I'm going to write a book, you know? And I, I always, I think that stuff to myself as well. And then then here I see you hustling and you, you pulled out your book. And I'm like, I was like, man, that's inspiring to me, you know? And I, I started writing. And I've already gotten a good, like, eight pages out of the, nice. just the last week. And it's like, okay. And then I see it, like, coming into fruition. I'm like, man, what was I waiting on, you know? Just it's like – all you gotta do is you put you pre-sell it, and then you got people paying you money, and the date's coming, and you will write that book. <laughs> Man, I was doing the same thing, dude. Like when I first put out the, like the journaling ebook, me and uh, Path Malinus put out. I remember I sat in front of my computer. I'm like, oh my god, you know, I have. I think I forget who mentioned chunking in the beginning. Chunking. Oh, it's you, Bill. I'm sitting in front of my laptop. I'm like, okay, I had to get this out. Path of Manliness, my, my buddy Ryan, he wants, he wants this, he wants this going. So I have to do my part. Sitting in front of the computer, I wrote my name, you know, you know, I'm getting the page numbers and I, I freeze for a second. I think, man, I've, I have to write 80, 90 pages here. I can't, I'm thinking like, how the hell am I going to do that? How am I going to write 90 pages? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I don't know what I'm doing with this. Like I have the information, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a writer. One you know? page at a time. And I did, I did one page, one paragraph at a time for me, my yeah. friend. I yeah. did one paragraph at a time. I said, all right, cool. I just got a paragraph. Let's try to fill this page. And later, you know, let it be known. I was 20 pages in. I'm like, dude, I'm doing this. Like, this is happening. 
And yeah. that fueled me. It kept going. I could do this 40, 50, 50, 60, 70. I did it. So when you look at it like that, it's back to perspective. You can look at it as, oh, I have 90 pages to go. Or you say, okay, I just got to fill this page up. Now I'm student, then I'll do a page and a paragraph, page and two paragraphs. And you keep doing that. Keep taking those small steps. Yep. Cool. Well, anything else you guys want to mention? I think I feel like we touched on a good amount of different approaches on how to solve it and happiness. And yeah, this has been awesome. But anything else you guys want to add? No, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to both of y'all. This has been a great discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. Paul, you got anything? Just want to tell the people that will be listening to this, go out, get after it, start asking yourself some questions. What are the consequences of you not facing the difficult things you're going to be facing and the obstacles with the consequences of not going through it. And it's been a pleasure talking to both you guys and you know, look forward to more. Maybe. Yeah. I appreciate both of you guys for agreeing to do that. I think hope, hopefully this is helpful to some people that are dealing with these issues. I know I learned a few things, anything that where people, you guys want to mention where they can find you, uh, where you're active on Twitter, what your handle is, please share those. Yeah. Um, my, uh, you know, Twitter handle is Matt underscore S underscore Stevens. And Stevens is with a PH. And it's actually the same for Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm most active. My website is realmattstevens.com. Um, I do have some slots available for my uh, health and fitness and, uh, you know, my, my diet coaching and whatnot uh, still open. Uh, if anybody wants to uh, take the opportunity to, to you know, get their goals met, as far as the health and fitness is concerned. And then, you know, uh, my newsletter from there as well. Um, but as far as social media is concerned, Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. Paul? All right, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Both are at Paul M. Dominic. Uh, we just put out a journaling ebook, Me and the Path of Manliness, managing your emotions, setting goals, things like that, discovering who you are, boosting creativity. Great journaling ebook. Check that out. I also do um, social dynamics, one-on-one coaching. Get you some social skills, get that mindset right conquer your social life and uh, check me out. Awesome. I follow both these guys on Twitter. I'm subscribed to their newsletters. And so you guys should also do that as well. They they're insightful in both formats. I like reading the emails and the Twitter uh, tweets as well. Keep it up guys. All right. Well, thank you guys and appreciate you. You fellas. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks.